gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to do Uncanny X-Men number 283, the October 1st, 1991 issue, or on sale date of October 1st, 1991, the the Marvel Box December 1991 issue, cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Bishop's Crossing. And even the cover says Bishop's Crossing. So we've got cover and title alignment. Wow, that's that's unique. Yeah. This cover is okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It feels like it's unfinished. Um, the faces, the, the, the detail of Storm's face isn't quite there. It feels like it was over-inked maybe to compensate for not a... Maybe not a great sketch. I don't know. There's definitely a lot of inking happening here. And I remember getting this back in the day. Again, we're we're approaching the sort of the end times of my teenage comic collecting and uh, being concerned about Uncanny X-Men. Right? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, we'd gone from, you know... Uh, um, Silvestri and, uh, and then Jim Lee and then you know we split the two and Jim Lee's got one book and you're like all right these are the flagship comics it seemed like at least at the time uh, both of them are gonna look awesome and then this issue comes out and you're like eh, eh. and I'm not saying that the art's bad inside it's it's definitely not like Jim Lee um, but the cover was kind of a oh oh this oh what's happening next. I remember liking Will Spartatio because I followed him to his Image comic, which was, I think, Cyber Guys. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> cyber something. Cyber Force. That's what it was. Cyber, I think can't remember if I have an issue of that or not. And uh, I liked that comic, but like nowadays, I I, ha- I struggle with this. It's not. It's it's too. It's so busy that you don't really. It's hard to figure out what's going on. And boy, John Byrne com- compensates with a lot of words. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. And uh, again, for you guys, uh, not, not again, but if for, I was telling Adam before the show here, uh, my neighbor is sucking up all the leaves from his yard. Um, I know that you can absolutely hear that buzzing in the background. Hopefully he's done soon. I can't hear it. Yeah, well, the recording can hear it. Now he's like right up against my house thing is really loud and oh, yeah i can hear it you can hear it yeah it's very it's 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 very quiet though but. <laughs> not to me it's not right right yeah <laughs> i mean his yard isn't big enough for it to last too long so it, it should uh, it should roll on uh pretty quickly here um yep the the artwork's a bit busy the there's john burns words are a bit messy um the story i don't know the story's even a little bit messy so the story kind of is very simple, but they drag it on to an entire issue. And I really, I, re- I really feel like this could have been half an issue and then start getting into whatever happens in the next issue with this. Well, I'm guessing that from an editorial perspective, they're like, all right, X-Men is going to is going to kick off with a bang three issues to set up everything. And then they're like, you got to do the same thing with uncanny X-Men three issues, big arc, all these new things. And. They got kind of halfway through this one, and they're like, oh, man, <laughs> well, let's just keep going. I like what they're setting up. I just don't like how long it takes. It it takes a while. And really, I don't know, three things happen of import? Right. This, yeah. is, this is a fighting issue, so it's probably not going to take us a long time to get through this. <laughs> so I'll see you in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this might be our shortest episode ever. So I got yeah. Let's just just crack this thing open here. Um, we're seconds from where the last issue ended, and we're fighting the the guys that came out of the portal are fighting against Fitzroy's guys. There's there's powers and machines and lasers. And we're focusing in on the two non-main characters, Malcolm and Randall, um, who came in with. Bishop through the portal and watching them take out some bad guys. Uh, there's eight panels here. 
some of them are okay. Some of them are can't really tell what's going on. Um, I like the one where the guy throws the nap gel at somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no style or structure. Like, there, uh, one way to do this would be to have, like, the good guys on the left panel doing things to the bad guys who are on the right side panels. Um, or to make sure that maybe the good guys are highlighted in the left panels and the bad guys are highlighted in the right panels. But it's pretty random, it seems. Just, just you have, on the top two panels, you have one panel of Malcolm getting ready one panel of Randall getting ready. I don't know who's which is which. That's <laughs> gonna the fact that you pulled Malcolm and Randall out of those two guys, like I'm sure it says those two names in this book somewhere, but I I missed that. It it does, but I, I verified it with the internet. So okay. It's not like I remembered that. Because I, I just I kinda remembered it, but I was like, is that right? That doesn't sound right. And then the internet confirmed it. I just assume that these guys are gonna die pretty soon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they die in the next <laughs> issue. If not in the, this issue. No, I, I know they don't die in this issue. No. Um, <clears throat> then we see Malcolm and Randall in action. Um, and that's the next two panels down. Okay. Uh, the next two panels down is some bad guy shooting fire mm-hmm. and some bad guy. I'm assuming that the nap gel that one of them throws is exploding in front of that guy. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of a weird inconsistency. It's like it, you... I thought it would make more sense to get the reaction of right the what the two guys in action and then the results of their inaction but we get one result of an action if that's what this is and then another guy just fighting and then we get a, the bottom two shots are I'm not even sure what's happening in the one on the left there's a guy and an explosion is it or somebody shooting I'm it, not really sure it looks like he's yell shooting but I don't know it's, it looks like he's yell defending. Right. Again. He's yell shooting a blast that's that's uh, dispersing around him. I, I that's what it looks like. I don't know if that's actually what's happening. Well, it I looks mean, like the one guy. This uh, is the same guy that's in the panel above. He shoot, shoots fire out of his mouth. Yeah, he shoots from his mouth. It looks like. And maybe his mouth rays are getting blasted by the guy in the on the right panel who's shooting. Sure. I I, I don't know. That could be, and, and the blast is is getting closer and closer to mouth blast guy. And then you've got uh, Beast Man, Lizard Man. It looks like whoever this guy is is going to put like a restraining bolt on his neck. Looks like a giant magnet, but yeah, we know we find out later that it's like a mutant power restraining bolt. Yep. So they. One page, I mean, and I like that, right? It just—it seems like it could have been a little bit cleaner, a little bit more concise. But they—they uh, uh, they take care of them. These these three people who came out of the portal instantly sprung into action and took out all these guys. They've captured Fitzroy. Uh, I'm gonna guess the guy with the reddish hair is Malcolm, because let me see what the internet says, or if it even says anything. Because uh, uh, the, he's the guy that's like, this was too easy, Bishop, blah 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 And then Bishop says, consider us lucky then, Malcolm. So the black-haired guy is... Randall. Randall. Must be Randall. And in the internet, Malcolm doesn't get a designation, but Randall gets an Earth-1191 designation. Oh, interesting. So they're going to die next issue and nobody's going to care. Bishop also doesn't get a Earth designation. Oh, I wonder if it's... Oh, interesting. But I wonder if I... it who is a villain who appears in one panel gets a designation also of earth one one nine one. It's a wiki, isn't it? You could probably update it. Uh, it is sort of a wiki, but yeah, I'm sure I could update it, but boy, am I not going to, <laughs> I, I think this, this is like a privately run oh, sure. wiki. My neighbor's done sucking up leaves. I think. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so they've captured Fitzroy. And uh, they're like, all right, let's 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 wrap this thing up. Let's put everybody back in the portal. Fitzroy, you go first. And he's like, no, no, I don't I don't want to go first. Somebody else go first. And they argue for a little bit. And he's like, what what is it to you if I, if I you've already captured me if you just have this one last request where somebody else goes first. And these guys are like, all right, that's fine. Not really questioning, like, why is this guy being so weird about wanting to go first? But it's, um, it's. 
I mean, we already know why, because in the last issue we saw this very same thing happen, which is you can't go back through the portals and Malcolm, no, Randall, Randall pushes a bad guy through the portal and it destroys him. He gets torn apart. And then uh, Bishop's like, Fitzroy, you motherless dot, 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 exclamation point, exclamation point. You knew that would happen. You knew. I hope you like the 20th century, Bishop. The holes in my mutant power rips in the fabric of space and time are one way. You and your men are here to stay. Which means you can be right here to watch as I usher in the death of your precious dream. You fool, this can't be happening. Everything that happens next, all the blood that I must spill, says Bishop, is on your head. Which, i got to be honest, I don't think Fitzroy cares. So that seems like a pretty empty threat. Yeah, I, I, it's just for us to know that the Bishop Squad is about to cut loose and and murder everybody. And and they do, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. There's a somebody activates uh, what is it? Nightcrawler's uh, image inducer, so everybody turns into a Fitzroy, so nobody knows who they're going after. Which is odd because previous three guys that we saw came through had questionable loyalty to Fitzroy but all of these guys are like Fitzroy he'll kill Fitzroy first activate image inducers save him what they've all become Fitzroy which I don't doesn't make any sense if anything you would you would turn into anybody but Fitzroy because that's the target not these guys right that's how loyal these guys are but the problem is is that Bishop's holding Fitzroy right there is no reason that he would be like, oh, these guys are clearly not Fitzroy. Right. But they not only turn into Fitzroy, but they also charge the three mutants from the future. Yeah, and they sort of ignore, well, they ignore our X-Men team. And this is where we get our credits. Pencils and Plots by Wils Portacio, inks by Arc Tiber, words John Byrne, letters Tom and Lois. Must be Tom and it? Lois Orgoskowski. I think so. Colors, uh, Joe Rosas, editing Bob Harris, and Exasperation, Tom DeFalco. Uh, and now Bishop has two Fitzroys in his hands. Yeah, well, th- because they charged. And right. then the Fitzroy in the foreground, the one that's escaping, I'm assuming, is the real Fitzroy. So that means that in all of the commotion of everybody turning into Fitzroy, Bishop momentarily lost his grasp and then grabbed another one. And now he's like, oh. Well, he's got, yeah, I, I mean. I think he's just defending himself because he's getting blasted from the front from this I-beam character who we only see for one panel. Right. And then we get uh, one flying in on his right. So he has to grab that one, I'm assuming, again, to defend himself. And then this third one is grabbing his arm. So presumably he's just got his hands full. Chameleon ploy. No time time for subtlety. I'm giving him a British accent. Sure. Uh, I'm going to to attempt to give him a Cockney accent. Okay. I didn't really prepare for this. I'm just trying to give him. Uh, I'm trying to make him sound like Idris Elba, but I do not. I do not have an Idris Elba. So uh, my my go-to phrase: if you hear me going, "Isn't it? Isn't it?" That's that's me getting into a Cockney accent. Got it. it isn't it? Chameleon ploy. No time for the. Let's see. I can't get into it. I'm going to go into a Liverpoolian sort of thing. <laughs> I know I'm going to at some point. Blast everyone who looks like Fitzroy. Uh, this is going to be rough. It's going to be rough. <laughs> the birth and death of a character. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. Oi, oi, oi. So the only thought on my mind here is that uh, the guy blasting Bishop with his eye beams will learn in literally two panels has no effect on him because Bishop's powers are to essentially absorb whatever's being thrown at him and fire it back. So it's totally unaffected by the laser blasts of that mutant or not all affected woman. I have absorbed. I beams power and now I will return it. That's not very cockney, but I'm working on it. Wait, so bishops, you're, you're cockney. Not, I thought you were going to do that for Fitzroy. No, no, no. Fitzroy. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. All right. No, no, I'm going for Idris Elba for Bishop. Okay. All right. So, yeah, he, he returns fire. Um, so he got shot with I-beams, and he's able to shoot I-beams back. It's a pretty powerful power. You killed them. Sliced them to ribbons. No more than... Well, so I definitely can't jump between a Russian accent. And, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
No more than they'd done to the others, big man, and no less I thought I'll show you if you stand in my way. I think not. So this is the blood that he's got to spill, I guess, all these people. Because ba they basically kill everybody uh, except for the X-Men and Fitzroy? Uh, yeah. Somehow they've managed to kill every Fitzroy except for Fitzroy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. These guys are super effective. Colossus jumps in and smacks him. Enemy of our enemy you may be, but the X-Men do not stand by while lives are callously obliterated. What the? Right. X-Men? Did you say X-Men? It can't be. Do I even dare dream? Meanwhile, uh, the portal is still open, it looks like. They're fighting. Fitzroy is like, all right, cool, I'm going to escape now. And then some dudes descend in from somewhere, put put some power dampeners on, and say, oh, man, you screwed up. Master Shinobi, he wants to talk to you. So we had theorized, I think you had accurately theorized that it was just his finger that was cut off. I had theorized that, like, Fitzroy had killed Shinobi, but I was wrong. Uh, we do find out that he he did leave him bleeding to Fingerless, death. Fingerless, yeah. It, uh, it's certainly possible that he could have died, but apparently the Sentinels... Uh, rushed in and saved him yeah uh, um so the, the sentinels are are very large and <laughs> it sounds pretty amusing <laughs> apparently they they were delicate enough to reattach a normal man's ring finger unit b use your surgery mode <laughs> okay whoops i've removed the next finger <laughs> whoops i have smushed his arm but whatever i guess that that happens so shinobi's fine it's comics nothing nothing permanent happened uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's essentially airlifted out of this battle so that he can deal with some other stuff. But in the meantime, I mean... And nobody sees this because he's turned a con corner conveniently. Right. Since we're only on page 9 of 22, what does it mean, Adam? Well, it means our good guys have to fight each other because we're dealing with another misunderstanding. And nobody talks to anybody. They and just start fighting. I don't mind the conceit of... Bishop is not convinced that these are really the X-Men, but I just wish it wasn't handled so poorly and doesn't take didn't take so long. Like, well, yeah, I mean, like, the, it's it's just a continuous barrage of I refuse to believe that you're the X-Men. Oh, wait, Colossus is way faster than this. Uh, boy, you guys, you guys sure aren't the X-Men. Why do you keep pretending to be the X-Men? I mean, they really shove it in our faces. I, I would I would just like it if it was like much more subtler where it's like, oh, my gosh, it's the X-Men. No, I refuse to believe it. And then we drop it completely and we just do the action that they do without constantly reminding us that Bishop does not believe these are the X-Men. Right. Well, and the tipping point is he's like, oh, OK, that's Storm. That's Iceman. Oh, he's a hot headed ice warrior. But you well, you kind of look like Angel, but you're all blue. No, this isn't accurate. You guys are trying to trick me. A stupid boy trick. Right. Exactly uh, not a cruel joke I should have expected from your Lord Fitzroy. Well, it isn't going to work. I won't let my love of the X-Men legends step, stop me from destroying you. And so he grabs one of the power inhibitors and he's like, all right, I'm going to put this on Colossus. And if Colossus can, I don't know. Be faster. I'll believe him. But since Colossus is a little bit slow, he's like, no, Colossus was so fast. You're not Colossus. But then Colossus turns into Peter. So it'd be like, feels like it'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, wait, that guy is totally turning into a guy that is, well, I, I, mean, I don't know what the legends of the future are. So that's maybe, true. maybe he doesn't know what Peter looks like. Right. Maybe he just thinks Colossus is always Colossus and never has a sort of an alternate human form. Um, now, to your point about the whole conceit thing, like I don't, I, I think it's okay as well, right? The X Men just witnessed these guys come out of a portal, portal, uh, and essentially just kill everybody without really, you know, they weren't, they didn't need to kill them. They could have tried to restrain them, uh, and everything we know about the X Men is that's not a thing that they would do. It's definitely not the Professor's dream. So right, so they they fight basically. I don't have a problem with. What's going on? I just have a problem with all the words that are shoved in here. Yes, there are many, how, many words. How long this takes. I mean, really, Bill Ship should just escape. There's a she fun... Like, wow, oh, I I, uh, 
I don't know if these are the X-Men or not. We should get out of here so we can reevaluate. Right, right. Let's monitor. Well, these guys don't have any place to go, though, right? They just came out of a portal from some future. They're stuck here. Uh, What else are they going to do? But um, uh, Storm is like, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill Peter. Iceman, Archangel, ignore the others. Bishop is your target. So I guess not all of the bad guys are dead. Uh, Iceman throws a little bit of shade. He's like, you got a boss lady. No, somehow I think Cyclops would have twigged that a long time ago. <laughs> Which is, okay, I'm in. Sure. Twigged. Uh, I, I, I don't mind twigged. <laughs> it's a weird, weird word, but um, it, it's fine. I would have liked to have seen, like if they're going to do this, and it, and it makes sense, right? Because you got half, essentially half of X factor now on this team that have been basically following Cyclops's lead for years and years and years and years to now be um, run by storm. It would sort of make sense for maybe Iceman Archangel and Gene to be like, I don't know. Cyclops could have done this better. Right. And then they, they grow into a team and be like, Oh, we respect you storm. Like you just do things differently. This is the first kernel maybe of a subplot that we're seeing where Iceman and possibly Angel, will question Storm's leadership. Let's track it. I, I feel like this, this I they have no evidence one way or the other, but I feel like this won't go anywhere. I feel like John Byrne is going to leave very shortly. Right. I think so he's the only one. He might be the only one right. keeping track of this. Because I'm sure Will Sportacio wasn't like, hey, John, can you throw some words in about Iceman not trusting Storm? Although, you know, I've, if I was Scott Lobdell, who I think is who ends up taking over, I would probably try to keep track of all of the threads just to kind of follow up on them. Yeah. But who knows? Again, as I, I think I mentioned last time around, I believe I only ever read these issues maybe once. So we're we're operating on, oh gosh, at this point, like 30-year-old memories. I have zero memories of any of this stuff. I remember the covers. Same. I don't really remember any of this content. Um, but yeah, no, the content is very uh, outside of my memory. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they fight. Storm shoots Bishop with a lightning bolt. He absorbs it. And he's about to fire it back, but then Iceman uh, sends ice his way, which is, a, it, they're working together. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Bishop laughs team. At, ah, you guys have teamwork, just like the X-Men. A worthy tribe, but your powers are no match for mine. When mine is the power to match yours, uh, we would like to. I would like to have seen a follow up to that, but uh, instead we get somebody shoots Iceman's ice. What are they called? Ice uh, ice slides. Mm-hmm. Hey, my slide! Wake up, Frosty says Malcolm. I think we decided this one was Malcolm. <laughs> your boss may have decided Bishop's the whole party. Should have known better. There's more of us. Better. Easy does it, Bobby. Their weapons may be uh, Archangel saves uh, Iceman from falling, presumably, to his death. I mean, I don't know how far Iceman up is because you can't really tell. Nope. It's just... I'm here to catch you. We All we have here is like pink and pink and orange and yellow backgrounds, so no idea yeah. where anybody is. Uh, yeah, not a lot to really determine how... Well, the 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 last time we saw Iceman in on an ice slide in uh, accordance with the ground is the previous page, and he looks pretty low. Right. So I don't know. Archangel shoots some of his flechettes. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. The these guys here, they they start shooting with their guns, and Bishop uses his little his little gun pointy fingers, which I it's guess. Not- Finger guns, which is kind of fun. Finger guns, but I'm guessing that that's probably lightning that he absorbed from Storm that he's firing back. Storm. It's like no power the angel was ever recorded as possessing, but they don't stand up to the lightning I absorbed from Storm. Careful, Bishop. If you start calling that witch by that name, you might find her believing yourself. Or you might find yourself believing her, rather. Earlier on, and and we missed this, um, at the very beginning of the fight with the Fitzroys, um, Bishop talks about being from the future and Storm does make a reference of, oh, the future. Are these strangers from the alternate timeline the X-Men struggled so long to obliterate? Beginning with Uncanny X-Men 141 and 142. 
We know so little of that timeline. This man, Bishop, his uniform bears the mark of the X-Men, and he seems totally unaffected by the laser blasts of that mutant. Or, and then it kicks into, I can absorb powers and stuff. Just thought it was neat that there was a little little nod to Days of Future Past. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Well, I, it's kind of, I, I, I find it's kind of weird that that's that they're calling days of future past the timeline that timeline that they're trying to prevent now. Well, she also refers to it as an alternate timeline, which yeah, is which... what us, uh, our comic books, like that's what we call it. But in Canon or in comic, I would it not would just be the future, right? Unless the watcher shows up is like, Hey, that's not actually accurate. That's an alternate timeline. I can't tell you about your timeline, but uh, don't worry about it. it's alternate. So okay, bye. if we go back and see what, Maybe Kitty was like constantly saying alternate timeline, alternate timeline. It's a possible timeline. Maybe it's been a while uh, since we read those. But yeah, I, I also twigged on alternate timeline. Oh, are we using twigged now? Until next episode when we forget his existence. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, Storm uses her hurricane force to like push uh, Bishop and his dudes back. And then she grabs one of Bishop's shotguns and she's like, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> can you absorb that i have had enough of this madness bishop because of you this room is filled with corpses and the man we came to capture has made good has escaped fitzroy had some part in the apparent death of my dearest friend jean gray i don't know why she's saying her full name but i guess it's because they call her jean gray i don't think they call her marvel girl anymore well i mean like you would just say jean right right but then this don't refer to your friends as the first name last name but then this gives bishop the opportunity to be like jean but he could do that when she also says Jean. Maybe it's it's just weird. Maybe it's for us, the audience, to be like, oh, yeah, Jean Grey's in this issue. <laughs> Shut up, Bishop. We pursued him to this place to try one last desperate gamble to restore Jean. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I swear by the blessed God of us, anything you have done has jeopardized that mission. I kind of like this, right? I mean, it's out of character for Storm to be this visceral and violent and hold a shotgun to somebody's chest and be like, I will shoot you because of the risk that you've put my friend at. Uh, it's believable. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's out of character. Where you get Bishop saying, Oh, storm would never point a gun at somebody. <laughs> it is missing that the one time that she's out of character that nobody comments on it. Yeah. But um, she is talking about like, she's, she's playing, they're playing a pretty long con if they aren't the X-Men pretending that they're protecting someone named Jean. Right. It, it, like if I was Bishop, I'd be like, wow, these guys really sound like the X-Men. Meanwhile, we're – I don't remember where we're at. We're either in the Blackbird or we're in the Arctic base, but Forge and the Professor – was that? I think it's still the Blackbird. Could be. Forge and the Professor are working on machinery and telepathy to transfer – uh, White Queen and Jean's minds back and forth. A professor goes into this long diatribe that basically ends with Jean has never exhibited the ability to do this. This is weird. Right. For for just like, why are you hesitating to put Jean's memory back in her body? And then he we get that explanation, which is what you just said, mm -hmm. which takes a very long time. And then Forge says this is a she was in a life or death situation. So who knows what she was able to do? And then the professor's like, OK, you're right. Right. I'll just go ahead and do it then. I just. I, it is weird. Either. I don't know. Either Wils, Wils Portacio Portacio drew all of this and said, here you go, John Byrne. Like, uh, this is what I want to do. And John's like, all right. And he's just like, I mean, I don't know. There's 20 word balloons on this page explaining all this. And I don't know that it's necessary. I'm sure you could have cut this down a little bit. It just feels like a uh, a lot of unnecessary space between one thing that happens and another thing that happens that could have been handled. Like in order to make it flow more, you don't, you don't have forge just step in and say, well, here's the solution to that question. And then the professor's like, yeah, you're right. You just have the professor figure it out himself or something, but I guess it's a panel of forge. So yeah, you work with what you're given. I don't know how hard it is to write dialogue. So, well, this is, this is all hindsight. Yeah. And a lot of this dialogue is it's it's overly wordy. When I was reading it, I just I found uh I can't find any examples now, but it was like just additional words of 
just not how humans talk to one another. So it feels like it could have been consolidated down to what people would actually say to each other. And uh, And, so the the transfer is successful, but well, the transfer happens, uh, uh, Forge's computers kind of explode a little bit to the point where he says, if another Psy were able to interfere, there'd be no way for me to detect it. And then the professor coming out of it says, it almost seems like there was another mind in there. So I'm assuming this is Emma Frost. Is it Emma Frost or is it Phoenix? Oh, I suppose it could be Phoenix too. I didn't even thought of that. Yeah. I don't, I, to me, when I read this, I was like, well, they didn't tag up on this. It just feels like an open plot hole for, not a plot hole, an open plot point for somebody to do something with later. Could be, could be Emma Frost, right? Uh, or it could be Phoenix or, well, there's a surprise character at the end. It could be that character. Yeah. So I don't know that there's feels like there doesn't need to be a plan, just an opening for something interesting to happen later on down the line. Like that could have given him a little bit more room to breathe. Right. So we could kind of mull over that because that kind of happens and you might miss it. It's very quickly in four panels that come after just the deluge of Professor X talking a lot. (laughs) Right. Right. The last. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying, because. If you read it too fast, you either miss it, or if you read it too fast, you're like, oh, that's weird that they made this whole big deal out of this thing and then just never did anything with it. But yeah. if you put like a, a bigger panel with a like an explosion or some psi telepathy thing happening, you'd be like, oh, that draws my attention to it. But whatever. You put some little like a uh, Psylocke butterfly mind over the, the thing. So mm-hmm. we see we see like something that we've never seen before over the top of the... The mind meld. Right. You don't do Silex butterfly. You don't do well, the Phoenix effect. Don't do, you don't do something that we've seen before. Right. You do an, an effect and you're like, oh, interesting. That that looks like a psi effect. Anyways, the another ship. So this is this would be um, Shinobi's ship is uh, above the Blackbird. And they're like, oh, there was a ship and all that commotion. It just showed up. Should we deal with it? And they're like, nah, X-Men are doing stuff. So we'll just let them continue doing stuff. Yeah, which is which is a good, you know. Yeah, as as it would be stupid for them to go after the ship when they have a bunch of X Men down below. And then this is where Shinobi shows up. He looks very different. He's got a ponytail now instead of his kind of long flowing locks. Maniacally evil looking grin. Like this, this is not the Shinobi, calm measured Shinobi we've seen in the past. But he's like, I got my ring back. I got my and finger it- back. And what I'm assuming is a nod to Lord of the Rings. He says, did you miss me, precious? Oh, I didn't even catch that. But yes, they didn't think I'd let you keep this ring. Did you, Trevor? The symbol of my rank and power. And uh, they argue a little bit over who is technically in charge now because uh, Fitzroy thought he was in charge after doing all the stuff that he did last issue of killing various Hellions and Emma Frost. And they refer to uh, the rules of the game and uh, cutting to the chase. Spitzroy says, uh, I demand the arbitration of the games master. Um, Shinobi says that Fitzroy cheated when he cut off his finger. I don't I don't. Well, he I says mean, you cheated yourself when you cut off my finger to take the ring. I might have bled to death if my sentinels hadn't acted to reattach this oh you cheated yourself hmm. i don't know maybe he's saying you should have killed me like you should have stabbed me in my heart i don't know yeah maybe uh but it i i would have assumed i don't know he also says the nature of the game is that the rules keep changing well that, i think shinobi makes the rules probably we'll find out that the games master makes the rules right so fitzroy says i demand the arbitration of the games master and fitzroy says i already reached out to uh, the games master, and they've uh, uh, reached a decision. The decision is that uh, Fitzroy is not the leader. Master Shinobi, we find in your favor, games master. Uh, I don't know how this screen could be like interpreted by Fitzroy. It's like, you would have just made that. Right. Did, did somebody just type that on a keyboard and put it on the screen? Wait, is that a poster? Did you make this at Kinko's? <laughs> yeah, uh, so... 
Fitzroy does at some later point and says, you haven't killed me yet, nor do you dare to until I have until we have met with the game master. And as long as you live, your throne is as long as I live, your throne is not secure. As long as I live, I shall do everything in my power to bring you down to make the leadership of the Hellfire Club is mine. So the game is uh so we we know that the game is by some sort of is the rules are set by some sort of games master. They're they're the rules are always changing, and the ownership of the Hellfire Club is what is at at stake. Yep. And then we get a full costume of Shinobi's troops, as well as his own outfit, where he has some sort of like reverse chaps. <laughs> I don't even know that they're reverse chaps. I mean, his he's got like blue jeans over his butt and then gray tights over the rest of him. Yeah, I'm not sure how what I'm looking at to be honest. <laughs> right. So, my understanding is that chap like you put your blue jeans on and then you put your leather chaps on which cover basically everything but your butt cuz your butt's going to be sitting on the motorcycle so oh, or the horse. These are just straight up chaps. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the costume. Chaps. Cool. <laughs> so, and then back below um, Storm has this rifle pointed at Bishop's throat, and he's like, I'm not going to kill you because the professor has let me know that Gene is okay, but I got a lot of questions. We're going to deal with this later. But and then and this is, we get another bit of like, and so you continue the play acting. Why? The basis of no further you damage of you, uh, no further use damaged and exposed it as is. Fitzroy has made good his escape by now. What do you hope from? What do you hope to profit from continuing this bit of theater? And um, I like Bishop. Come on! At, at some point, Bishop's got to be like, all right. Even if he doesn't believe it, just be like, what? What's your game? What's your story? Yeah, I'll okay. play along. Why? Why do we have to have such long? I feel like everybody's talking like. Very slow. I don't know. There's the the dialogue is weird in this. Mm-hmm. It feels like everybody's talking like this very eloquently. I think the questions are mine to ask, Bishop. We can begin with a detailed explanation: just who you are and why you wear the emblem of the X Men. Right. I wear what I earned, earned in a lifetime of combat, of fighting to preserve preserve the dream of Charles Xavier. I don't know. It's annoying. And that's what I was trying to say earlier is that it, like a lot of the dialogue between the professor and Forge was very sim- similar where it's not to the point. It's not how humans talk to each other. It's a lot of I wanted to say prose, but it's not it's not necessarily prose. It's like uh, an overacting overacted stage play. Somebody's yeah. on the stage and they're like just well, lots of lots of way too much exposition. Right. Exactly. So store well let's see here i wear what i earned as you said uh, that's not an answer bishop i want to know more and then something explodes so uh we we didn't cover we skipped over this no. but he left behind a bunch of explosions oh that's right and uh he was bragging about how the x-men are dead without actually staying to watch the explosions go off which is a stupid thing to do right um Obviously, nobody's going to die. Because uh, you want to know why they don't die is because Storm creates a pressure dome that will deflect all the flying, de- falling debris. Cool. Well, that's a new thing, right? Has she done that before? So here's a question, right? Did Will Sportacio draw this and kind of think like, okay, she uh, Storm's created kind of like a, you know some wind to push everything away. And John Byrne got this. is like, I don't know what this is. It's a pressure dome. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, that I don't think that this is a thing that we've ever seen Storm do. You do have low pressure zones and high pressure zones. I don't know if you could make that into a dome to continue on with the the weather, or I, I don't know. Who knows? I don't care. It doesn't make any sense. I'm fine with it being like a wind bubble. <laughs> sure, wind bubble, but pressure dome just seems I like oh, make- now I can do force fields. Randall uh, makes it harder on the X Men. By shooting the ceiling so that even more of the ceiling comes down. I, I don't know why. The the place around them is exploding. Right. What difference is this going to make? It accelerates, or accelerates the debris falling on the X-Men, I guess. And that will prevent these so-called X-Men from pursuing us. But it frustrates me to run away with no clear victory and no idea who these impersonators are. Later, Bishop, says Randall. Let's go. There's always tomorrow, Bishop. 
I guess we know that better than anyone, says Malcolm. And they, they, they're gone. They teleport away. I guess, yeah. They've, they disappear in what looks like an explosion. <laughs> well, they explode away, they beam up, they teleport, uh, but they're gone. Where are they teleporting to? Right? Because they're in a time that they don't know. They don't, there's no base for them to go. Just away, I guess. Uh, Colossus is badly hurt because of the uh, fancy bracelet that Iceman calls what Bishop clamped on Peter. Uh, so they, they... Well, the explanation here is that the fancy bracelet Bishop clamped onto Peter, it snapped him back to his human form so fast it's knocked the stuffing out of him. Yeah. So he's he's in, he's in worse shape than he's been in a while. Uh, Storm flies them up to the X-ship as everything explodes, and uh, Colossus is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything. And the whole thing blows up. Everybody's on the ship. Everybody's fine. Uh, Gene is up and around. The effect won't be permanent, says Forge. A few hours rest, and young Mr. Rasputin will be as good as new. Uh, for uh, Storm, rather, is obsessed with Bishop. Like, like she keeps talking about Bishop. Bishop, I gotta, I, I can't help thinking about Bishop. I, I wonder. I got so many questions about Bishop, and the professor's like, um, yeah, yeah, we, we got to uh, think about our uneasy alliance with the hellfire club and what's going to come about that and storm's like well yeah i know but but what about bishop? <laughs> bishop he's touched a nerve he's a formidable force and i cannot rest until questions have all been answered until yeah. i know all that is to be known and and we get is this celine on the next page well i think so the first person and i don't this is not a lady it's basically just a like a professor x looking guy who can stand but has gold crap all over him and red eyes this is the game master, and then I believe she's not called out, but I believe it's Celine here at the end, who's like she's got Celine's costume. Um, I mean, this whole thing has all been Hellfire Club in nature, so it makes sense to have Celine involved. But maybe it's a completely different character. Don't know. Doesn't say. They don't really say anything relevant. Um, apparently, there's a, another game being played underneath the game that these two people are playing. Right. Um, but we don't really, we don't really know what that is because they don't tell us. And I can't tell if Celine is being restrained or if this is just her game chair, her gaming chair. I think it's just a big chair that Will Sportesio has drawn to be very technological. So yeah, it does kind of look like restraints, but I, I don't see any actual restraints there are yeah her her arms her neck her body aren't restrained but it's like i can't tell if like you said it's just like a super technology technological chair and she's supposed to be sitting on it but the way that it's drawn it kind of looks like she's resting against or restrained against uh, a wall that's form fitting to her body and she's standing but i feel like the intention is for her to be sitting in a chair (laughs) i don't don't know just doesn't look like it Because if she's not sitting in a chair and it's like a like a like a console, it, it looks like she's leaning back on it. But there's like you'd expect to see some joysticks in her hands for her to be doing stuff with. But like her hands yeah. are a joystick position, but there's no joysticks. I mean, there's also like a weird perspective issue where what looks like the back of the chair and what she's sitting on are divided by her hair. Right. Uh, so there's space between the chair and the back of the chair. Oh, so good point. So- Maybe that's not actually part of the chair. It's yeah. just the one. Because I'm looking at that and I'm thinking that like that's her headrest. But you're right. The hair is behind like whatever the shoulder thingies are. Thingies are. Uh, so it's weird. But that's it. Uh, then Games Master. Then the game will truly become interesting. <laughs> that's good because so far <laughs> it hasn't been very interesting. No. No. I mean, I'm very like. Like Bishop's a good character, and I is and he, he? He's not yet. He he's a good character now. Okay. Uh, in 2023, when we're recording this. Oh, okay. But right now, he he is not a good character. He's just kind of so far. He's been kind of a a guy who just can't twig on back that the X Men are obviously the X Men. Right. I 
always associated Bishop with sort of the latest cool character, right? Kitty was introduced at a time when we needed a teen Jubilee, uh, Longshot, um, and then and then Gambit. Bishop Gambit, another one, Gambit. right? So I think in like 1991, 1992, has Blade come out? I mean, certainly Wesley Snipes, who's not probably the inspiration for West or for um, Bishop, is well, it's like Demolition Man's been out by now, I think. Anyways, I'm just saying, like Bishop to me always felt like the latest like cool character design. Yeah. And he is. He's got a neat. He's got a unique design. Yeah. I mean, the mullet is a bit dated, as we had discussed. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But um, I didn't realize. Uh, I'm not sure how long it takes for him to be like an X Man, right? It, it, it ingratiated with the team. Like I thought he was kind of like almost immediately entered into the ranks, which just shows how little I had read back then. Well, we we stopped X Men. At number seven, because in number eight, he is officially an X-Man. Okay. So so whatever we're reading now, uh, we're going to stop once Bishop is an X-Man. Okay, we're building up to, to whenever that is. Yeah. Okay. I'm just talking about like in, in the teenage days, like I thought you know, Bishop shows up from the future to save something. And they're like, oh, you're an X-Man now because you can't return home. Right. It's coming in like a matter of issues okay. is what I'm saying. It's... You are correct in thinking that it happens quickly. That was it, though. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. We do have some letters. It's true. We do. It's been a while since we've had some letters. It's been a while. <laughs> Mark writes, Hi, Adam and Jeremy. Thanks for a great podcast. Love hearing your takes on each, each issue. Even though I've been collecting X-Men for years, I've always been a bit confused by the order of crossovers. Same. Uh, that they should be read in, read in where the annuals come in. Finding your podcast a while ago has gotten me right back to the start, reading through my collection and using your wisdom. Oh my gosh. Sorry about that. Uh, to read the crossovers online. Well, that's mostly Adam. Adam tracks all that. I, uh, that's mostly the internet. <laughs> well, you know what I do, I do is I take several internet sources and I look through all of them and I weave them together to see what makes the most sense. So I guess I do a little bit of work. There you go. I mean, it takes work just to read the internet to find that order. Something I've never done. <laughs> um, thanks so much for making this possible and making it damn fun along the way. Well, great. I'm glad glad we're making it damn fun. As always, uh, as everyone says, great voices. I will I will assume that that means that he loves my new bishop voice. So. I 100% agree with that. And writing you writing to you from Germany, it's been fun hearing your pronunciation and translation of Nightcrawler's Unglaublich and so on. Yeah, I I I bet that would be fun. Um remember we used to do back in the day. So he must be way back. Yep. Uh, when we would actually look up on Google to get pronunciations for things. We did, and then we we try to do them ourselves. I'm sure we we butchered every one of them. Probably. <laughs> uh, I'm way back in the past. Just finished 180. Well, greetings from the future, from the past, or something, whatever we used to say. And I'm very happy to see you're still going uh, way out there in the future. Definitely giving me a fun, giving me fun to look forward to. Thanks again. Greetings from Berlin. Well, greetings from the United States. Yes. Frenchy on the website, Frenchy says, Hey guys, about my Mr. Serval Gambit quote comment from X-Men 4. Serval is French for a kind of African cheetah wildcat. Okay. The wolverine animal is called, oh, here we go, Glouton? I'm sure. <laughs> what did you say? I said Glouton. Oh, okay. But, but that's English pronunciation, clearly. Yeah. Uh, in French, which also means glut gluttonous. Okay. So I guess that's why they went with another animal for the translation. Okay, Mr. Serval. Barely remember that. Giving us uh, information. Yeah. I like I love it. Thank you for the education. Uh, Miss, Ms, Miss M. Smitty Marco. M. Smitty Marco. Miss, Miss Mitty, Miss M. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say you're right. M. M. Smitty Marco. I'm going to go with Ms. Mitty Marco. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's completely wrong. I propose some sort of drinking game where every time Jeremy confidently states the number of an issue when discussing something but is way off, everybody should take a drink, especially if he's off by more than 40 issues. I think I'm rarely off by 40 issues. <laughs> he usually yells issue 268. I feel like I usually go to 266. 
What what happens in 266 or 268? My my gut says that the cover of 266 uh is Gambit. Okay. I can't remember what the cover of X-Men 268 is. I'm going to say it's Wolverine on the cross. 266 is the first appearance of Gambit uh, with Storm on the cover. Um, without looking up 268, what did you say? I'm going to say it's Wolverine on the cross. No, that's 250. That's 250. 255? 251, I think. It's 251. I have no idea. I was, that's, the, that's the only thing I could think of. X-Men 251 is him on the cross. I feel like I just got a spoiler from the internet. Um, Hard Case and the Harriers might be 268's cover. Oh, no. It's not. It's uh, it's Black Widow, uh, Captain America, and Wolverine. Oh, okay. And you did well. You, you just said Wolverine on the cover. I did. I was <laughs> partway there. I mean, between issues two fifty and like two seventy five, if you say Wolverine, you're you're probably going to be sixty percent accurate. Probably true. Um. So we're all bound to get quite drunk. Ah, come on. I feel like I. Well, you know what? I have found. Um. I feel like I used to be. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I used to be pretty accurate with with my issues. Uh, these days, I I don't know. My brain's turning into mush. So I guess from here on out, whenever you ask me like when something happened, I'm just gonna yell 268. <laughs> um, I love the fact that I I no nobody's playing a drinking game while listening to us, but I love the fact that one person thinks that that we should. I wish we had enough fans where. There really were like groups of people getting together <laughs> in bars, oh listening to our podcast and like doing a drinking game. Ah, oh, you said two sixty eight. Drink three shots. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's lofty. Does anybody listen to a podcast in a bar? I don't know. I feel like those days are long gone. Like the the sort of communal. Like I think watching The Office, watching The Simpsons, all that sort of stuff. I think that used to happen. Kind of in like the prime of their seasons. Maybe we still do that. I don't go out enough to know. I guess it, it just, it, <laughs> now I'm doing it a deep dive and I'm just thinking like everybody is listening to a podcast kind of solo and they're just doing their own sad little drinking. <laughs> Man, I got so drunk last night listening to the stupid podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I noticed that you didn't mention G.I. Joe this episode. Well done, sirs. Well, I don't recall what issue we were covering there, but I I just edited the issue from uh, the episode for issue. What did we, what did we just cover? 283? So I just did the 282 episode. I edited that. And we almost didn't mention G.I. Joe through the whole thing until I said something about how somebody looks like Cobra Commander or something like that. It was like, oh man, they're they're right about that. We do bring up GI Joe a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think from here on out, no podcast is complete unless there's a mention of GI Joe. I I think we cover had that covered to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that it's been pointed out, I think on a couple of occasions uh, at this point, now it just has to be a thing. Unfortunately, I don't have any GI Joe stuff to talk about, other than the fact that we're referencing GI Joe right now. I mean, we're kind of talking about it right now. That's so. true. Do you see Snake Eyes? The movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same here. Anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the podcast. Yeah, um, it's a short one because, uh, like we said, this was a sh- pretty short issue. Yep. I just lost my train of thought. If you want to get in contact with us, though, you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, going out to facebook.com slash dangerroompodcast, xing us at dangerroomgo, because I'm still not going to say formally Twitter, because that's stupid. Okay. I mean, even though I just did. I already <laughs> broke my rule. Email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to subscribe, leave stars, leave feedback, all that good stuff. Or go out to patreon.com slash dangerroom to listen to, I don't know, other stuff that we do, such as the run of X-Men Forever that takes place directly after X-Men's 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. If Chris Claremont had complete control and... Ten years had passed. Or listen to our uh, the Hickman run. Oh, the yes. Hickman run, which is, we can no longer say is up to date. No. It's now a pat thing of the past. Woefully behind. But if you're like, hey, I haven't been able to get into this whole weird 
seeds and teleportation storyline, well, jump over to patreon.com. Maybe we can make it a little bit easier for you. Yeah, that's what we do. We we make the pain easier. Or we make it more painful as we describe what's happening. But I'll tell you what, Adam, if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have read any of that stuff. Really? I don't think so. You're 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 done with uh, X Men comics for today, huh? Well, it's just so weird and different that I'd be like, well, I don't know what is happening. I guess this is the current state of comic books, and I wouldn't have read any of it. Okay, we struggled. We struggled. If you remember, we struggled to get through some of that because, like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who all these people are. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, overall, I don't think it was ever. It was really that groundbreaking. It's just the X Men moved to an island, and now they're their own nation state, and now they terraformed Mars. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah, same old, same old. <laughs> <laughs> so there, yeah, there you go. Um, got anything? Oh, uh, I, uh, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfield. Can't, can't, uh, can't forget that. Um, anything else, Adam? My girlfriend has been uh, – we, we just unsubscribed from Disney Plus because the price got way bigger. So while we were – well, we knew that was coming, uh, she was diving into X-Men and the animated series. Oh. So that's been kind of on in the background and I've been – every time a new character comes on, I will try to tell her all of the things that have happened to that character in the comics up to today. It's been fun. It's been a fun little game. Okay. Is she is she and she's into it. She's not like shut up. I'm trying to watch this. I no. She's like a, a bit of a bit of that and a bit of uh, oh my god, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> she's like if you would have applied yourself to anything else with this uh, amount of effort, just think of what you could have accomplished. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but I like comics. Let me tell you about GI Joe. <laughs> Let me talk more about GI Joe yeah hopefully one day they well i suppose they're supposed to but i think it got delayed with all the writing and acting strikes but um x-men 92 93 yeah it's supposed to come back or whatever they're calling it but yes uh, 97 i think 97 i thought it was supposed to be a direct continuation of the the series Maybe the series ended in uh, 96 and that's why they're calling it 97 or maybe i got my numbers crossed and i'm doing a bad memory thing which wouldn't be the first time i'm gonna look it up real quick uh it went for a while i thought x-men 97 was a was a name of something but maybe it's maybe it's a comic book there was a comic and we talked to the creators of that comic x-men 90 91 x-men 97 is an upcoming american animated television series so yeah it's x-men 97 it looks like the series went through 1997 the original series. So this would, everything I've read is, is a direct continuation. My memory, and it's probably wrong, is that the X-Men animated series ended on a cliffhanger. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm probably wrong about that though. Okay. Uh, It's been on my list of things to do to rewatch it all. But when every time I've tried, I'm like, I like this because it existed, but it's, it's, yeah, I, I, rough. Honestly, I honestly don't care for it. Um, I, as it as it gets later in the series, I, I find myself more interested. Like I like like we just did the cable in the, the Bishop episode mm-hmm. and I like that they're not from the future. Oh, that's kind of neat. OK, um, or maybe they eventually become from the future. But when they're first introduced, neither of them seem like, I'm only half watching it. So right. maybe they are from the future. But yeah, I, I, I struggle to get into it. But I can see why people loved it because it's very comic story heavy. In in that time, it was it, my recollection, anyways. It was the closest to the comics that anything had achieved. Right when you think of like Adam West's Batman, right? They made it very corny, very cheesy, uh, and it wasn't. You know, they took a lot of liberties. When you look at Super Friends, you've got talking monkeys and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> And then you get to X-Men, the animated series. And while they had to make some creative liberties to kind of make things make sense, right? right. You can't deal with all that lore in your first episode, right? They they still they still did storylines like the Mutant Massacre and they brought in Mr. Sinister. And they did the only sort of creation for the the or for the series was Morph, and he served a purpose, and he comes back too. To serve a purpose there too. Right, exactly. And so for me, I was like, "This is this is awesome, right?" It's not exactly the comics, which is fine, 
but kind it's of like an early template for the MCU. Right. It's close enough that if I'm a fan, I can be like, oh, I recognize that. And if you're a newcomer, you're like, great. I just got the backstory, right? It wasn't like, I don't know. I don't know. You didn't have to deal with 20 years or however long at that point. They make it less convoluted. Right. You don't have to know everything. It's very, it's very easy access. And you're right. Same thing with the, with the MCU where, I mean, they, they, they kept it as true to the comics as they could, but they had to take liberties so they weren't spending all this time catching up non comic book people with why is all this stuff happening? Yep. Um, so in that regard, I like it. But when I've tried to watch it again, even though the episodes were like 20 some minutes long, <laughs> I'm like, it's rough. Uh, you know, the animation stilted. Not that I, I don't need it violent. I don't need blood and everything, but it's definitely of its time where, you know, yeah. Wolverine's using his claws on doors and then punching people. Well, the characterization of Wolverine, in my opinion, is not very nuanced. I mean, he's just a thug. Right. Who's angry all the time. Well, I think they use sort of... Obsessed with Jean Grey. Right. 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 Where he, like, tears up a photo of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Right. He's just... It's, it's kind of petty. Yeah. Which is humorous. He's so, like a little school kid. Does... About his crush liking somebody else. Yeah. I don't remember... I don't remember if any of the characters have any arcs, but... Um, seems like Jubilee is kind of the main character for the first season, at least, where it's kind of everything's from her perspective, which was neat. Right. So maybe when they eventually actually release X Men '97, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll throw it in the background like you did, <laughs> or just just kind of have it there and and check in from time to time, and not actually like background. You pick up enough, right? Not not commit myself to sitting there and, and taking it all in. But uh, anyhow, yeah, that's that's all I got, Adam. Um, I'm I'm done. Till next time. My name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed.